Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition, the Monday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. After a, uh, a weekend, that's that's what it was. It, it certainly was a weekend. Uh, you may hear my co-host in the background every so often. Hope that doesn't bother you too bad. But anyway, it uh, it was a weekend for Ole Miss. Uh, I'll give you three things. Quick thought on baseball, and I'll explain why it's just going to be quick here in a second. Uh, some takeaways from the Grove Bowl and Lane Kiffin audio. So Lane Kiffin, after uh, the Grove Bowl, met with the media for about six minutes. I'll play that for you. Some stuff in there. He talks about Jackson Dart. Uh, who Lane described it as Jackson is trying to win the job instead of play quarterback. He's trying to win uh, the the battle instead of just playing the position. And that's going to be a problem. I mean, he he made reference to it later on, and you'll hear the audio here in a little bit. Um, Guys that are not playing within the system, it's going to be a problem for for Lane Kiffin. He kind of laid that out pretty clearly. Now, he also said that Jackson just got to Ole Miss and – Luke Altmaier's been there for over a year, and they've got a summer and a fall to figure things out. But but right now, um, recklessness is probably a word that would best describe uh, the way, apparently, Jackson Dart has been so far in spring, and obviously you saw it in the spring game. So all three of those coming your way. But first, I want to remind you a few things. Number one, follow me, if you haven't already, at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y, on Twitter. Facebook, and YouTube. Find me on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Had a live chat last night. We talked about this series and uh, the implications, if you will, of this series and um, what it means or maybe what it doesn't mean at this point uh, about Ole Miss and the program and the future of it. Uh, So I do all kinds of stuff like that on YouTube. Again, Twitter and Facebook. Also subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. If you're listening in browser, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be on iTunes or Spotify or anything, Stitcher, Google Play, all that stuff. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find this there. Just search Rebel Report and subscribe and leave a rating and a review if you like these quick little old Miss updates a few times a week. I appreciate that. We'll start with, a, 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 again, I said quick thought, and, and here's why it's going to be fast. Because at this point, Honestly, what else is there to say? That seems a little harsh, but I think that is fitting at this point. What else is there to say? Um, you guys know already, you've you've heard it a thousand times over, the lack of Omaha appearances, the one in seven in Super Regionals, the one trip to the College World Series, which is the only thing that anybody cares about in college baseball. In 22 years, you know about the investment into the program in salaries, in support, in facilities. It is all top-notch, and you are not getting top-notch results. That conversation has been beaten into the ground. I know it's going to continue to happen until uh, something gives. I understand that, Um, and I'm not dismissing that. It's just we've had that conversation many, many times before. On top of that, uh, looking at this weekend, just these three games, I mean, it's the same thing. Just copy and paste something I said a few weeks ago and apply it here. Dylan Delusia was exceptional on Thursday night. 
was just uh, unbelievable on Thursday night. But Ole Miss still only had five hits. They've lived and died with the home run. They are not working counts. They're not stringing uh, quality at-bats together. They don't have any depth in the bullpen at all. I mean, pitching's a disaster. Starting pitching's – I mean, I think Hunter Elliott with time is going to end up being a really good pitcher for Ole Miss. He's not there yet. He shows flashes of things, but he's not there yet. And they lost a series after winning the first game. Uh, it's just – it's the same stuff. At this point, this team is not very good. I don't think this is a, oh, they'll figure it out kind of thing, as I've said a couple weeks to you guys probably by now. I think they're a bad baseball team, and I don't think their issues are overcomable at this point. I don't think you can magically snap your fingers and uh, completely change the way your lineup approaches. I don't think you can snap your fingers and suddenly have a, a handful of really high-quality bullpen arms. I, I think that this season will run its course exactly how you expect it to. And then... What most of you want to happen will. That's why this isn't a very long conversation, truthfully. Because um, I, I got asked again last night. I don't think there's a debate. I, I may have said this to you guys already, but after this weekend, it, it's it's very clear there's no debate. Once this season ends, whether it's uh, at the regular season finale because they didn't make the SEC tournament, whether it's in Hoover at the SEC tournament, or they somehow find their way into a regional and likely lose in that regional. Whenever the season ends, if it if it does not end in Omaha, a change is coming. That, that, that's really as simple as it can be. That is an educated opinion uh, on my part. A change is coming. And... You can debate whether or not that's fair. I mean, there are still some hangers-on, I suppose. But that's reality right now. And, you know, this weekend kind of underscored it to me. You should never, ever let one team dictate decisions for you. Back a few years ago when Ole Miss hired Matt Luke because he won an Egg Bowl, I said at the time on the radio, and I got some crap for it, they're only making this decision. It was really Jeff Federer. It's out of Ross Bjork's hands. That's semantics. Whoever made the decision was only making the decision because winning that Egg Bowl curried some local favor. That should have never happened. The Egg Bowl should never dictate decisions for you. It shouldn't. Um, it does, you know, depending. But it shouldn't. The, the rivalry aspect of what happened this weekend shouldn't be the catalyst for change. Even though over the last 22 games, Mississippi State has 18 wins in the last 22 games against Ole Miss. And in the last nine games that were played in Oxford in this rivalry, Mississippi State has won eight of those nine. And the only one that Ole Miss won was Dylan De the game of Dylan DeLucia's life where an error is the difference, and if State plays clean defense, they probably win that one too. So it took a complete game, two-run outing from Dylan DeLucia, the best outing of his life, who has benefited from an error that led to Kevin Graham's three-run home run to be the one win in the last nine home games. Mississippi State has flat-out absolutely owned Ole Miss in recent history. Completely and totally owned them. 
Is that why you make a change? Absolutely not. It is absolutely not why you make a change. It's not, it's not even why you discuss it. But I do think what you saw again this weekend is justification to me. Because you saw two programs, again, who are in the same state. And I know state has some scholarship stuff that helps, I suppose. But you're in the same state, in the same division. Their stadium is really freaking nice. I, I've been, it's stunning. I mean, it, it is. It's really nice. But the facilities are comparable. I mean, Ole Miss has a, what, top seven, whatever, facility in college baseball. Fan support is about the same. Same number of people go to games every weekend. Facilities are the same. All that stuff. The, the programs are very, very comparable with what they have to work with. On top of the fact that they're in the same state. And yet, Mississippi State has won 18 of the last 22. Mississippi State repeatedly has been to the College World Series lately and obviously won a national championship. The The record against State is, again, not catalyst for change, but it shows you what you can be. It shows you what you can be. They've got a, a program mentality that has transcended leadership. They've changed coaches, and, and the same things have happened. I mean, an interim coach took them to Omaha. I mean, come on. Um, and Ole Miss does not have that. Same state, comparable facilities, comparable support, comparable fan bases, one completely dominant over the other. One has better postseason results than the other. That is what you can be, but you're not. And especially when it's this Mississippi State team who was down bad, I mean, missing their Friday night ace, their best bullpen arm a few weeks ago, and then going into the series, they lost two more bullpen arms. So they're down four guys, not a very good team, not a particularly good lineup outside of of a couple of guys. Pitching staff's been a disaster. Starting pitching's been really hard for them. They've been tweaking and trying to figure it out, and yet they still go to Oxford and win two games. Regardless of what happens tomorrow in the Governor's Cup, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you lost six straight series to Mississippi State. That is what you can be, and that is what you are not. Um, so again, not the catalyst for change, but that's the example. That That's what people are talking about when they've been dissatisfied with the product. It's been, look at what State's doing. Look at how much they own us. And you've been justified in that feeling. So again, I'm not going to talk about candidates and stuff. Uh, I'm kind of parroting. Uh, Neil and Chase with this, and, and I, I respect I respect them in, in this mindset, and, and I'm going to kind of parrot it as much as I can. Um, until there's a job opening, there's no search to talk about. Um, and I think, you know, I've had some people ask me, you know, will they will they fire him before the season's over? Absolutely not. Uh, the, the The hope, if change does happen, uh, is that it at least. From my perspective, you should hope that it is cordial because I think he has earned that. It can both be true that relative to investment into the program, the results in the postseason have not matched that investment. The return on the investment now for Ole Miss baseball is not good enough. It can also be true that the only reason why those expectations are there 
or because of him and the program that he built. He is a victim right now of his own success. He, he, he built and he got support and they were good and they've been respectable on basically an annual basis. They brought in good players and sent guys to the pros and, and have, have hosted big games and hosted big weekends. Um, all those things are true. But as you build, the expectations raise and they have not been met. But even with the LSU interview and all the, the vitriol that I've heard from fans about that, um, Ole Miss Baseball is a national brand because of what he's done. So uh, it, it should uh, hopefully when this does occur, and I mean, there's weeks left in the season still. So it's weird even talking about this now. But when change does occur, I hope it goes smoothly because I think he's earned that. So anyway, it was longer than I was expecting. It's just uh, at this point, there's no conversation to be had. I think it's pretty cut and dry. Things pretty clear. Um, when the season ends, if it does not end in a particular place, there will be uh, changes. And in terms of like analyzing each game, I mean, I guess I could, but I don't think the masses care about that right now. I, I really don't. I don't think you guys care. The podcast, by the way, is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. If you are located anywhere inside of the state of Mississippi and you're in the market for office technology solutions, anything from copiers and printers and mail machines, cloud storage, data security, phone systems, whatever it is, if it's technology, if it's in the office, Advantage Business Systems has has you covered. ABSMS.com. Tell them I sent you. You'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need and what your budget is and they'll find that solution for you, absms.com. Also, LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. It's the best place in this state to get your meat. They also have great sides, daily lunch specials, Monday through Friday. Good advice as well, good people, big supporters of uh, of Ole Miss baseball and all sports, really, but especially baseball. We are in baseball season, uh, so go check them out. Just across from Kroger on University right there in uh, in Oxford. That's LB's. And uh, tell Greg that uh, that we sent you. The Grove Bowl happened as well. A beautiful day it looked like at the uh, the Grove Bowl. Split the teams up in two. Played, generally speaking, a game. It was nice to see that because a lot of spring games are not really um, doing that anymore. People are kind of just half-assing it. Forgive my language, but it's kind of what's going on. Not in this case. It felt like a real spring game, and, and I'm sure... The other people there had a bit of a show. I mean, it looked like it was a a pretty fun day, pretty good production, stunning weather, all that. And, of course, everybody is talking about the quarterback position, Jackson Dart, Luke Altmaier. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and nip this in the bud right now. Kincaid dead is not a factor in this quarterback battle. He's not. He's not. So um, I had a couple people ask me about that last night or, or say, well, actually, Dent was the one that looked the best, and I'm, I'm not entertaining that because, first of all, n- no, but also that's not how this is shaping up. Either way, everybody was focused on Jackson Dart versus Luke Altmeyer. And I talked about this with you guys. I, I've tried to repeatedly tell people on the radio show and on Twitter, uh, people are, have just not believed, some people have just not believed me when I said you are insane if you think that Lane Kiffin, one, is just going to hand this job to Jackson Dart, and two, 
if you think Jackson Dort is just going to easily win this job from Luke Altmaier. Because, one, that's not in Lane Kiffin's DNA. He didn't. I mean, we we talked about this a few weeks ago. I, I don't need to be totally repetitive, but what tells you that Lane Kiffin has ever played favorites or handed a job to somebody without competition? Matt Corral clearly was the better quarterback than John Rice Plumley, even though everybody wanted Plumley to be the guy, but they competed. Corral won. I just I, I've never understood that idea of oh, it's def. I mean, he, Jackson Dart's the starter. That all this is just semantics. No, it's not. He's got to have to come in and prove it. I mean, he just turned nineteen. He's young anyway. But if one is outperforming the other, it doesn't matter which one it is or or anything. But Either way, I've been trying to convince people that this is a real competition. I think you saw with your eyes that it is one. Because right now, after watching the Grove Bowl and talking to people that have seen some scrimmages and stuff, I think it's abundantly clear to me that Jackson Dart is more ta- is the most talented quarterback on that roster. He's extremely raw talented. He's got a ton of it. His ceiling is extremely high, and his presence, I think, elevates the ceiling of the team. But what you saw is that he also lowers the floor. You'll hear it from Lane Kiffin here in a second, but you saw it with your eyes. He's trying to score the 21-point touchdown sometimes. And throwing into coverage, throwing across his body, making bad decisions. Again, he's a young quarterback, Uh, there's a guy named Matt Corral who hopefully Thursday is going to go in the first round uh, who used to also make really bad decisions, and and he cleaned that up. So there's a chance that that happens here as well. But looking at them right now, Jackson Dart is extremely talented, raises the ceiling, but lowers the floor because he keeps making bad decisions. Luke Altmaier, I think, while – Talented, by the way, and you saw how effective of a runner he was. Some of some of that escapability in the Sugar Bowl was no fluke. He's a good athlete, good runner, um, more conservative with the football. And I don't think he's as raw talented as Jackson Dart, but he's got plenty of it. Don't get me wrong. I think Luke Altmaier's ceiling is lower than Dart's. But right now, his floor is higher. I think if they had a game coming up Saturday, I mean, you all saw it too. You would all agree with this. Luke Altmaier would be the starting quarterback for Ole Miss. I think that's what you would uh, what, what you would see, what would happen. And that can change. I mean, there's a whole summer. There's a whole fall. But if you thought that Lane Kiffin was just going to hand this job to Jackson Dart, you saw on Saturday that that is absolutely not the case because one is ahead of the other right now. And that's clear. Luke Altmaier's floor is higher, is much higher, much higher, more conservative with the ball. But when you've got the running game that they've got, which, by the way, Connor, if Snoop Connor got the carries he deserved last year, he would be a bigger loss than he is. But for some reason, they gave him basically like an even 30 30 30 split, which is mind blowing to me. But anyway, um, If they distribute the ball like that again, where three guys are splitting basically equal carries, they are better in the running back room this year than they were last year. I think that's obvious. Evans, Bentley, Judkins, uh, Kentrell Bullock, uh, 
that room is better than the one that they had a year ago. It is. Um, so maybe Kiffin looks at this team and thinks, you know, we're going to be able to run the football well. Got a really talented tight end who, by the way, <laughs> holy crap, at Michael Triggs' physical ability. Holy crap. Um, wow. So you've got that. You've got a good running game. You've got a very deep defensive line. You've got a very deep secondary. Maybe he looks at this and thinks, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run the ball. We're going to play defense. Be a little bit more conservative. That's how they won games down the stretch, remember. They won their they won games down the stretch being conservative offensively and playing defense. That's what won them games. I mean, they, they couldn't do much with Corral because he had bum ankles and, and wasn't practicing, but maybe that's an, an approach that they're attracted to. Like, hey, Luke, just protect the ball, throw it to the open guy. We'll play defense and run it. Because if that's their approach, if that's what they want to do, it's a pretty easy decision. I don't know. I, I, there's really not you could uh, not a whole lot you can take away from spring games, or you should anyway, but you saw one quarterback's ahead of the other right now. You saw an elite-level running room, running back room. You saw Michael Trigg. Again, holy crap. A um, couple banged-up receivers, which changed the way that position group looked, but they need Deion Smith and Malik Heath to come in and play because that is a thin, thin room without Mingo and without Jalen Knox. So for whatever that's worth. Don't hear from me, though. Hear from Lane Kiffin. Here he is after the Grove Bowl talking with the media, and that will end the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you again on Wednesday. But here's Lane Kiffin right now. All right, well, obviously, whenever you play yourself, just like scrimmages, um, hard to evaluate, but especially when you're not really tackling. So, you know, there's some good things out there. Some guys made some plays. Obviously, we're limited in what we did, especially defensively, um, and had some offensive injuries, um, you know, at the skilled position. So, good to see some turnovers by the defense, some explosive plays. Um, good to see some consistent movement by the offense at times. And um, so, we'll go back and watch it. A lot of guys think everyone got to play, which was good. So, like no major injuries, probably more important than everything. Question: What does it mean uh, for this team right now to begin to middle depth on both the lines, offense and defense? It looked like the defensive line was maybe farther ahead than that. Yeah, I think our defensive line has been deeper all camp um, or spring, and you know some of those guys being new have added that. I think by far that's our biggest positional change. If you went from when we got here to now uh, would be that group you know went from you know I would say our weakest link um, to maybe our strongest so that's good and it looked like the second offensive line played better now again very limited in what they're seeing on defense that helps too yeah not a very good first half um, thought he was trying to win the job instead of just playing quarterback and forcing balls and um, not being very consistent. So just talk to him before the half, you know, about, you know, calming down and taking one play at a time. And uh, thought he did some better things in the second half. You said the other day that, um, that with those two guys, it kind of seemed like one day one would be quite well and the other wasn't. And, 
you know, another day it'd be the opposite. Was that kind of like a little bit more like what, what you saw today a little bit? And, uh, yeah, that would be considered Luke's day in that way. You know, Jackson made some mistakes early, and um, Luke seemed to play really consistent, um, you know, and not force things. How many offensive linemen right now do you feel like you have confidence in that you might put in the rotation? I don't know that. Um, and we don't need to, so I haven't figured that out. You know, we're not playing a game. Um, but uh, I, I would have confidence in a lot of our twos. Uh, yeah, I think that they've really developed. There's some young guys in there um, that are really, you know, ready to play. Who's? Oh, Kincaid. Um, I thought Kincaid did good. I think both series, that his first two series that he played were touchdown drives, um, one on both sides. So that was really good to see, and I'm um, proud of him. And that's not easy when you're sitting there and get thrown in on both teams uh, to be able to ready to go in and play. And he did what we want our guys to do. Like they asked me before the game, what do you want from your quarterbacks? I want them to operate the system really well and not try to play outside the system. And he did a good job with that. Seems like he didn't really ask for too much from any of the running backs today. Just now that spring's over, where do you feel that room is with four guys have? Well, especially without we're not supposed to tackle. Um, without tackling you know, I usually when we do that, try to make it more pass-oriented so we're evaluating more players um, and a better evaluation on the quarterbacks especially. So, you know, that's why you saw pretty heavy in the first half throwing the ball. What's kind of your off-season message for, for both those quarterbacks? And I, I guess, like, how far away, I guess, would you say you are in terms of like, making the decision? I'm sorry, I know it's far away, but I mean, where are you kind of at and all that? Again, we don't have to make a decision today, so we got a lot of time left. And um, you know, Jackson just got here, and you know, Luke's had a year ahead of him. So um, I would hope Jackson would continue to improve, uh, you know, with more time in our system uh, throughout fall camp. What's your confidence level at this stage of kind of the spring ending, going into summer? What's your confidence level in this group? Because there was obviously a turnover. Better than where it started, um, you know. We know what Mingo is, so, you know, not having him, that's not like having a new player hurt. You know, we know what he is and how he plays and how he would fit. So, um, you know, to see some pieces come together and, you know, J.J. Henry make plays, obviously you saw Trigg, and so um, I'm feeling better. Trigg had a pretty good day today. What were you impressed the most by him today? He's kind of done that all camp. Um, you know, like I say, he's just very unique. Ball skills, catching range, um, and basically what you saw today, he's done whenever he's been healthy. Blaine, does it just take longer to build depth now you're in the third year here? Depth along those lines, and that just naturally come a little bit later in those other positions? Yeah, I think it's always tougher for younger guys, you know, high school kids to come in and play on the lines, especially offensive lines, so um, that usually takes, takes a while. Coach, since you've been here at Ole Miss, Control the fan base. Every season's new. Last season has nothing to do with this season, just like the previous one didn't have to do with that. So uh, we always have to start over and, you know, 
That's why preseason rankings and that stuff don't mean anything. Everything's brand new. So we got a lot of work to do with so many new people. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.